Hi there, welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday afternoon, November 2nd, 2020. My name is Eric Carabell. Tristan H. Cockroft joins me as always. He's already won his 2021 leagues. And Kyle Sapi is an expert fantasy football player who's uh, also our researcher and producer. Tristan, how's it possible? You haven't even had your 2021 drafts yet, and you've already won the league. It's amazing to me. How does that happen? <laughs> you've got me already. That's how good he is. That's how good he is, people. Oh, oh man. He's won leagues that haven't started yet. Um, oh, come on. We have lots to discuss on today's special, very special show. We haven't done a show in roughly a month. And the uh, MLB playoffs came and went. And congratulations, by the way. I, I, that was a that's a big deal to get through Major League Baseball's playoffs relatively unscathed until Justin Turner. Mostly but it, unscathed, yeah. You know we, what we, they did? We it. almost made it. We were right there at the finish line. And then we went. Oh, oh, you know what? Let's there would have been like two weeks between Game Six and Game Seven, but they played it. And congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers finally after a long time since. Uh, Kirk Gibson and Oral Hershiser, and congrats to the Tampa Bay Rays. What a team. And we're going to get to one of the Rays' best players in just a minute here. But, um, you know, Tristan, so baseball, there's a lot going on in baseball right now. Um, teams, uh, owners, management are trying to shed salary, and it's going to be a, a wild and unfortunate offseason, I think. Um, but money was lost in 2020 and probably will be in 2021. So we'll get to that later in the show as well. Just that the landscape of baseball is not what it was a year ago, and it might take a few years to get out of this. But we should focus on the players, help people for fantasy baseball purposes. Um, we, our rankings are posted, all three sets. Uh, mine are Roto, Tristan's are H, head-to-head categories, and AJ Mass does points, so you can check them out. And I'll admit, mine are going to be uh, changing a lot in the next month because I'll have more time. <laughs> and... Uh, what what do you say? What are you trying to tell me? This Yours will be number four. There's four sets of rankings. There's a special extra set out there. Ooh, the Dynasty 300 is out. Oh, I don't see it. So, uh, but uh, maybe it's somewhere. Um, the Dynasty 300 is out as well. So you have two sets of rankings. Okay. The end um, of the season Dynasty rankings are indeed out. Yes, I'll have to I'll have to tweet that one up after we're done taping. We're going to pick apart Tristan's rankings on this show. Nobody Please should look do. at mine. They need, look they at need mine. some uh, you know, fine-tooth cold. They do. I, I fully admit that. It's November 2nd. I, I First of all, it's not just that players are going to change teams and we don't know roles, but Tristan, your phone's ringing. That might be Randy Rosarena calling. It might well be. <laughs> okay. You gotta love when you don't even know how to mute the the, the ringer on your own phone. It's so one you know how to win every fantasy league, but you don't know how to mute the ringer on your phone. <laughs> All right, so Tristan, I want to talk about the playoffs and what we saw there, and in terms of individual players and their fantasy value for 2021. Because normally, what I would say to you after a World Series ends is that nothing happened in the playoffs is affecting my rankings, but that's just not true here. And I, I want you – maybe you could tell me why. Is it because of, of an aberrant season in which almost nothing mattered? As I was doing my rankings, I decided that what happened to certain players in 60 games didn't matter. Christian Yelich didn't matter. Cody Bellinger, Adabel Jamonese did not matter. I did not really redo my rankings based on what I thought of them three months ago. So – but when it came to like certain Tampa Bay players and certain Dodgers, I, I kind of did. So the first one, obviously, is Randy Arozarena, who a lot of people may not even have heard of three, four months ago. But he was a very good prospect in the Cardinal system, traded in the Adam Liberator, Jose Martinez trade. And then in, in September, he hit seven home runs. I don't recall us talking about him a whole lot during our podcasts in September that we did. And actually, we ended up not doing a podcast in October, I guess. And now, I, I don't know where to rank him. I have him ranked 66. You have him ranked 95. And I don't know which 98. I don't know which one of us is right. My, my feeling was that guy can hit. And he can hit to all fields. And he hits the baseballs hard. His exit velocity in the playoffs was fantastic. He faced good pitching. He faced relief pitching that threw hard. And he hit everybody. And he can steal a base, although he was not a good percentage stealer in the minors. So if you said to me, what does he do in 2021, why can't he hit 30 home runs, bat 280, and steal 10 bases? Now, he might also do nothing close to that. What do you think he does? Because he's a 
He's a player everybody's going to be looking at. He'll get overrated probably in 2021 drafts. But then again, I ranked him in round seven. So maybe I overrated him. First of all, I'm disappointed going back to the year open of this that I can't be Frank Drebin standing in front of the exploding fireworks factory and saying, move along, nothing to see here. Because that was kind of a Rosarena. It was everything to see here. Um, we did talk a little bit about him in the September shows because he was starting to emerge, hitting a couple of homers here and there. Nothing near the level of excitement we saw during the postseason. You summed it up quite well. For me, the big takeaway was I worried that he would be leaning towards three true outcomes, that he'd be very, very streaky, all power, nothing else, batting average being a problem, a little bit of speed, some defense, but a, a lot of rawness to his game. And his postseason performance answered a lot of those questions. I mean, I, I look right at the chase rate, 27%. For a young player like that during the regular season, 27%. Uh, chase rate. That's actually quite good for a guy who missed 15% of the time he swung the bat. That's a lot for a swinging strike rate, but the guy knows the strike zone and he made contact and he's capable from the minor leagues of making contact. So I don't think you're out of line to say the 280, 30 homers and 10 stolen bases. I think that could certainly happen. I also think teams are going to review the video during the offseason and be a little bit more prepared for him next year. We do see a lot of natural regression from these rookie standouts the second year. Pete Alonso being a great example this year. That's all fair. I mean, just at every in the in the playoffs that we just saw, he hit everybody. He hit Yankees pitching, he hit Astros pitching, he hit Dodgers pitching, and he destroyed Toronto pitching. I mean, the Dodgers were throwing hard throwing right handers at him, and he was still clubbing them. He batted 364 with a 1234 OPS. It's an incredibly small sample, but the season was an incredibly small sample as well. So I, I mean, that's just the one guy. And we'll get to some others here, but I don't know where to rank them. And maybe in the next couple of months, I'll change my mind and, and move him down in the rankings. And I'm, I'm looking at some outfielders that I have ranked behind him and wondering, would I really, if push come to shove, would I really draft Randy Rosarena over, for example, Max Kepler, Brandon Lau, Teoscar? I look at those guys as flawed as well. So Nick Castellanos, who... Maybe I should have ranked him ahead of Rosarena, but who's going to hit? Is Castellanos going to hit 30 home runs? I don't know. Well, also Dom the stolen bases make a pretty big difference there. But, yeah, by the way, he stole four bases in September. He could steal at least 10 in a full season. Be before we get into the other players, I mean, you know, considering we had the top seeds here represent each of the respective leagues, I think your question about what do we take away from this odd postseason is relevant. What were your thoughts on that? Like what, what? I mean, why? Why was it different? What was it that was unusual about? It? I know it was more more teams in the playoffs, a different structure. Sure, no like off until the World Series. I liked the fact that there was no off days, although there was in the World Series. I liked the fact that it was a condensed push schedule. I liked the fact that, I mean, obviously, what the manager of the Rays, Kevin Cash, on Blake Snell in Game Six was a little bit odd. It was a little premature, but it's a new era. You're not going to see starting pitchers pitch into the eighth, ninth inning anymore. I don't know. Even in a full six-month season, like this is Blake Snell now, I think, for to some degree. Um, it depends on roster size. But I don't know. I, 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 I saw some performances in the playoffs, and I thought, well, I didn't think that about this guy. It's not just a right. Bruce Starr, Gratterall. I, I, you know, what I thought about him in September is a little different than what I think about him now. I think he's getting saves next year mm -hmm. over Kenley Jansen. I do. That would that, be the number two, you know, guy I bring up from the playoffs and say, wow, that's, that's something that changed actionable. Yeah. You know, I had Dustin the same May thought and of I, I, you know, I, they didn't pitch well in, in October, Gonsolin and May. And now I'm starting to question whether they're going to be guys I want to draft over Mackenzie Gore in 2021, which is unfair because Mackenzie Gore's never pitched in the majors. So it's like, you know, you see a guy pitch in the major leagues and you, and you say to yourself, well, can he, can he replicate that over six months? I don't know. Um, do you think uh, another one that, that struck me was Nick Anderson being the Rays best relief pitcher and uh, okay he might have been gassed he said so afterwards after game six it wasn't a good performance by him but do you think teams are going to steal that formula of taking their best bullpen guy and throwing them at the maximum point in the game as opposed I don't, to in the I, don't, spot? I don't know if they'll do that over a six month season I think they'll do that in the playoffs but I'm not sure Nick Anderson's Nick Anderson allowed a run in seven consecutive outings, his last seven outings in the playoffs. So, which just reminds me of how volatile relief pitching is. Yep. 
And it's the main reason why maybe I'll go after a top closer, you know, in round seven, eight, nine, and what I generally never do. But you draft Nick Anderson in round 12, you don't know if you're getting 30 saves or three saves or anything. And we know his K rate in his career, in his regular season career, but I am. I moved him down in my rankings after seeing him in October. I didn't move him up. Mm-hmm. So it, it tells you how volatile it is. I'll wait and I'll draft the next Peter Fairbanks in, in next April. Yeah. Because you're going to, there's going to be 10 guys that come out of nowhere next April and May to get saves. Yeah. Whereas we keep drafting Nick Anderson or Brad hand. I don't know if he's closing next year. He's unemployed right now that the way teams are going to look at bullpens next season, I think is going to be different. I can't see anybody giving Brad Hanna three-year, $30 million. I mean, We kept joking about Blake Tryon, and he's not getting three years and $45 million from Philadelphia or somebody, any team. I think somebody will sign him to close, to your point, at the end of the year. They'll give him a one-year, $6 million deal. That, I think there'll a be a lot era. of one-year, $6 million deals. And this is going to affect fantasy baseball, Tristan, because okay. if no owners except the Mets are giving out money, then that's going to affect roles, and you're going to see a lot more minor league pitchers closing. And you're going to see a lot more minor league hitters becoming Randy Rosarena. Nobody's going to pay for these guys. Well, also, it's going to change the uh, the balance of the National League East if the Mets are the one team spending money on free agents and they load up. The NL East is going to be pretty darn competitive. Uh, yeah, how with a lost minor league season, those young players are going to be worked in next year. They were worked in very aggressively in 2020. And I rank them as if teams are going to continue to be aggressive into 2021, even if minor league baseball can get off the ground and have a regular season in 2021. I think there will be some aggressive promotions, including perhaps some of the draftees from 2020. So ultimately based on the playoffs, did you change your mind on any players? I mean, obviously, Rosa Rainey is one guy. I mentioned uh, Ian Anthony. Anderson. Ian Anderson. Impressed. Yes, that's a good one. He looked fantastic, right? Yep, he absolutely did. Uh, definitely, definitely uh, higher on my list, and I think he's got a, a role carved out. So that's a big plus when you're looking at rankings this far in advance. Oh, gosh, who is the other the player? Houston, the Houston starting pitchers are Quiddy, look great. Yes. And Christian Javier. Yep. These guys are going to be – hopefully 30 start guys next year for the Astros. And that might mean only 180 innings, but they're going to be in that rotation. Framber Valdez looked terrific. I mean, yeah. Houston made it to the final to game seven of the ALCS with a sub 500 team. And with half their lineup, not hitting at all. Yuli Gurriel didn't hit at all. Um, you know, they, they had a bunch of weird stuff going on there. So I would say, yeah, the Houston starting pitchers that you don't think about, I'm moving them up in the rankings. Ian Anderson's a good Kyle Wright, who was the other guy on the Braves who had a good outing or two in the playoffs? And I thought, you know, I Wright, hadn't really Wright thought- had that one good start. He, it was a very, very good start. He had another one where I watched every pitch he threw, and I wasn't blown away. It wasn't it wasn't an awful outing, but I, yeah. All right. Um, so maybe there weren't a lot of guys who you changed their mind about from the playoffs. Like Brandon Lau looked terrible for most of the playoffs. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, will I really tr- draft him? It's unfair to draft a Rosarena over Brandon Lau because of the playoffs, but I probably would do that. So I, I have a Rosarena ranked too high. I got I got to move him down. Um, I, I do that. No, I, it was like a first impulse. Like, wow, look at this guy. And then a week later, I'm like, mm, maybe not. But if you know, if it's Nick Castellanos, sure, I probably would take Castellanos over him. But some of these other guys, Teoscar Hernandez, no guarantee he does that again. Actually, I think Teoscar is a pretty good barometer for. Uh... For Rosarena. I think that that's the tier that you're looking at. So maybe I ranked them both too high. Uh, okay. Anyway, um, any other players that you want to talk about from the playoffs that you thought that was interesting? That was something that they did that, you know, might affect you. I know. I'm trying. I'm bl- there was a third guy who stuck out. Now I'm forgetting who he is. I'm, I'm, All right. Well, if yeah. you think about it as we go along on this show, go ahead and bring it Gosh, up. Who was it? Yeah, I don't know. I, you I can had pause the I, show if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the uh, Braves. I mean, Marcelo Zuna is a is a slugger. And when I when I ranked him for 2020, I didn't rank him nearly as well as I should have. And then watching him in the playoffs, I'm like, well, he's still doing this. Walker Bueller, I you know he had a couple of nice outings in the playoffs, and I thought, well, I just don't know if the Dodgers will let him throw anywhere close to 200 innings. Why would they? Kershaw looked great in the playoffs, right? He did. He looked great. 
Yep. Anyway, moving finally along. gets his ring too, so we can get rid of this silly doesn't step up for the postseason debate, which is a, a narrative that I just didn't think worked. Um, but I'm glad he pitched well, and good for him for winning a championship. I mean, the Dodgers and their fans. I mean, they've been through it for the last yep. decade. You know, you win the division every year. Like I know what it's like to it's in my simulation league playoffs to win and never win. And I mean, you know, fact, now the it's Dodgers. Good for, it's good for baseball when the best team wins, and the best team won this year. In a well, short year of the best team won. I think it would have been good for baseball if Tampa Bay had won because they had like the number 28 payroll. And it's a reminder that you don't have to spend money. Look, the Mets might win the World Series in 2021 if Cohen spends all this money, but they also might be a five, sub-500 team. You got to spend your money properly. Yeah. yeah, That's all. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to be celebrating the baseball teams not spending money right now considering the offseason we're heading into. <laughs> you know what? I, uh, I understand exactly what they're doing and – I, don't know. I hope there is baseball it's, next year. I know that's it's it's a tough time for the game. All right, so let me ask you this about your rankings for 2021. Name me some players that you had trouble ranking. I, I already mentioned a Rosarena, Mondesi, most of the closers. Um, I'm sure I can think of some starting pitchers when I go through them. But like, were there any players? I'm going to look at yours real fast here and I can see if I can find some players that I just totally didn't. Let's and we can talk about our our top too. I mean, like. Like my, I ended up with Mookie. Whoa, you have Mookie Betts number one. Yeah, that's not what you said you were going to do. You remember I was moving away from Mike Trout in the final month of the year. But to put him four, that's not something I expected out of you. I okay. I actually feel like it's I I feel like it's a tier of six, and they're all really really close. I think that's fair. Uh, so that's something a little bit more like what I have. We both have Mookie Betts. I think Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball. And you can say, oh, that's ridiculous, Eric. Mike Trout is. Well, Mookie Betts is great. Hits for average, power, stolen bases. He's, I think he's the best defensive player in baseball. Better than Andrelton Simmons now. And Mike, Mike Trout is still the best player in baseball. But the bl- why, best player why, in- why does he have to be the best player in baseball? He's a... <laughs> I frankly think he's a better hitter than Mookie Betts, and I put a good amount of value in that. You're right. The Betts defense does bring a lot to the table there, and it's a good debate. I still think Mike Trout is the best player in baseball. They, I think they, they the same, the- same wins above replacement the last couple of years. I mean, I think it's certainly within the realm. I, I'm just it saying is- you can't just say, oh, well, it's this simple. It's It's obvious. It's not. It's I don't think- not. No, you're right. It is now in – it is now debatable. Um and for fantasy, yeah, the trout, the trout steals, and trout time over the past years is relevant. You have trout four. I have trout seven. So yeah, make that case. How are you getting six other players ahead of him? Well, I think it's quite easy. I mean, the stolen base angle is part of it. Mm-hmm. Juan, so- Juan Soto is doing everything that Mike Trout is doing for fantasy right now, and I think I think he's doing it better, and he's younger. So I, I don't know about putting Soto number one. I don't know how you can't have Soto ahead of Trout if you're going to move Trout out of number one. If you if you stick to your guns on Trout one, I respect that. But if you're going to move him out, Soto has to be ahead of him. Soto does everything better than Trout for fantasy right now. Everything. That's the way I look at, it. and he's I, a lot younger. Not just I like told you, I told ago. you, it's one one A, one B, one C, one D, one E. <laughs> I mean, I I I've had. A couple of drafts of this where Juan Soto was my number one overall player. I want to make you the case that Juan Soto is number one, number one overall. He's not going to get the steals a lot of these other players will, including Trout, and that's a major disadvantage. But if, if Soto bats 340 and Mookie bats 300 and Trout bats 300, you can make the case for Soto number one. There's no I, way I'm projecting a 340 batting average for anybody. No I, I don't either. Way. But if anybody's going to do it now, I think it might be Soto. Right, but you can't possibly rank or draft no, Assuming no. he'll get even close to that. 340 is out of the question in today's game. Um, let me see. What Alex Bregman, was. I had trouble with that because his season was so bad. I don't view him the way I do Yelich mm-hmm. because Yelich will at least steal bases. And I do wonder now if some of the Houston players, maybe we had just under underappreciated. Like they're, they're still great players, yeah. but a lot of them struggled. Okay. Yep. And why would that be? Bo Bichette, I wanted to put Bichette. You have him 24. Wow. And I like him a lot. Yeah, the I do still drive the, the value there. Where do I? I have him 30. So we, we both ranked him pretty well. Um, 
Max Scherzer, you have him as the number nine starting pitcher. That's interesting. Scherzer is a tough rank, actually. How much are you going to? How much are you going to give Scherzer the Clayton Kershaw treatment of the past two years? That's going to be this winter's and this. But there's spring. a big difference because I think Kershaw next season, even if he makes only 27 starts, that's a 260 ERA. I don't think Scherzer's doing that again. Sure, so for 20 uh, for Kershaw's for 2021. You're saying. Right, I, I would that's, view Kershaw. That's not the player I'm talking about. I'm saying the Kershaw of the past two years. Remember, the questions that we had as drafters coming into 2019 and 2020 was, Kershaw's an injury risk. He's going to miss 15 starts. At at best, he'll miss six or seven. Scherzer's going to be that guy this year. I think. How in the world do you still have Pete Alonso 34? I, I actually like I have him. I have him. So I have him like 50 spots below that. Because of batting average, no, not 50, 30 spots. I'm 68. How in the world do you have him there? He did rebound a bit at uh, the end of the year. That what was do you project in the bat? 250 at best? Probably, yes. But I do think the 45-plus homer potential is still in that bat. Uh, let's see here. It was we, yeah, 10, we, of, 10 of his 16 homers came in September. All right. I mean, maybe I'm just not you know looking at it right. I mean, Luis Robert, 39. I moved him out of my top 10 outfielders as well, worried about batting average. I have him 41. So we have him in about the same spot. I, I, I want to protect batting average, which is why. But I should if I have Alonzo in the 60s, maybe I should have. Luis Roberts going to steal bases, though. Like I, want, yeah. I put Kyle Tucker ahead of him. I think I did. Um, oh, yeah. There's no question I'm taking uh, Tucker. Well, actually, I had them right. You have Robert one spot ahead of yeah. Tucker. Yeah. Um. How I much? Gotta, I think I'll have to amend that. I do like Kyle Tucker. Actually, the one for me with Luis Robert was my first draft. I had him earning a high end range in the top twenty, and I made a statement. I it's Eloy Jimenez over Luis Robert for me every day of the week. I think I have that too. I have Luke Voigt in my top forty. You just missed, but we both moved him way up based on expectations entering the twenty twenty season. Mm-hmm. So that's it. You have Luke we both have Luke Void ahead of Aaron Judge. Do I have Luke Void ahead of Aaron Judge? Let me check. I might not, but I should. I, I do I barely. I have Judge ahead, but I wanna I want to rectify that. Um George Springer, he's the yeah. top well no, there's there's other free agents ahead of him. He's Azunia. one of the top free agents. LeMayhu, Azunia, but Springer's expected to get the most money. Bauer. How much does it matter where they go? And I don't expect they're going Springer's anywhere. Expected to get the most? Real Muto might. He might. Um, these guys are not signing, I don't think, in November, unless the Mets do it. I, I think it's going to take a long time to figure out the market. Yep. Um, I don't know whether I'll move him up or down. Obviously, it depends on where he ends up. But, like, if Springer goes to the Mets, if Bauer goes to the Mets, that's a big deal. Springer, the change is that, remember, he 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 was a leadoff man for the Astros for a good period of time. So where exactly does he fit with the new team? And – what is the depth of the offense? Because when we think of George Springer, we're thinking of that 2018 where he was pretty much a leadoff man every day in one of the best lineups in all of baseball, if not number one. Is he going to still be in those two situations, leadoff and in a loaded lineup? It influences runs in RBI. So yeah, that's one that could change. He could drop down to 60, 65, or he could move up to 30, 35, depending where he winds up. That's fair. He could be leading off with Jeff McNeil and Pete Alonso behind him. Um, I can't rank a catcher 55. You have JT Realmuto there. I don't know where he's going to end up. It's not going to be Philadelphia, clearly. But I, I catchers don't play as much as the other players do, and um, they don't steal bases. And uh, you know, you get nicked up in the thumb, and you, you don't hit for a week, but you keep playing. I can't rank a catchers. I can't rank a catcher or a closer in my first five, six, seven rounds. So I don't. But you do, and you win leagues. So explain why. <laughs> explain why you did that. And and I'm with you on the closers. I am a lot more pessimistic overall in my rankings of the closers. Not so much with catchers. And it's a fine line I dance here because I do want to consider the people who play larger than just the 10-team, one-catcher ESPN standard. I want there to be a little value in those rankings to people who play anything deeper. 12-team with one, 15-team with one, 15-team with two. And JT Realmuto gives a significant advantage over replacing level in anything deeper than our game. And even in our game, I don't think it's as easy as taking the number 10 catcher. You did it last year. You, you might have wound up with a guy who missed a lot of time. Mitch Garver comes to mind as a guy who people are drafting aggressively a catcher yeah, and he didn't do much fair. of anything. You, you didn't know that, that Mitch Garver was going to be a bust like that. The point being, 
that one one year production and rail moto had plenty beforehand and rail moto turned in a positive year there's something to be said for that not blowing it with the number one pick at your position or real moto had essentially the same fantasy value as salvador perez and travis darno who may not have been top 10 catchers on in rankings or in drafts in 2020 yeah so i mean that's part of my example is that i i'll wait and then if I don't like Yadier Mel, James McCann with the number 10 catcher, you know, because he'll end up starting for a team this year, next year, then I'll just find the cat. I'll, I'll stream it. And I do do my rankings for ESPN one catcher leagues. I, I, I think I thought we were supposed to do that. So that's why yeah, I do. That's look, the application I have does primarily go to that. If I didn't, I'd have 24 catchers in my top 300 because you have to draft them. But my point is that I think there is a, value to having a catcher you know you can trust how many are there how many catchers do you think you're practically guaranteed a turning an investment on real muto i'd say salvador perez probably also fits in that maybe yeah, I mean, all because james mccann's a free agent but beyond that do you think there's any catcher there that you feel even remotely confident about no that's why i'm waiting but it's a different philosophy you and me when it comes to closers and catchers and i'm, I'm gonna end up waiting and load up as much offense and ace as I can. Yeah. And you're going to be the guy to take Real Moto and, J- and Josh Hader, which is fine. I, I think there's I'm two not, ways I'm to do it. I'm not going to be the guy that takes Josh Hader, but <laughs> okay. Right, well, <laughs> I might not take Real Moto either. I just think that he does earn that value based on being the one guy who can – he's going to give you bang for your buck. I'm, I'm going through the rest of your rankings here to find names that I know I rank differently. J.D. Martinez, I, for some reason, I have him 30 spots ahead of you. Maybe you think he's done, but – I don't, I don't know what to do with J.D. Martinez. I'm just being honest with you. Javier Baez. Wow. By the way, there are a ton of designated hitters. And if you're in a league that has designated hitter only, and there are 10 teams in your league, they're worth a lot less this year. This happened in Labor AL. Three year, was it three years ago? I don't want I, I think a ton is, is going a little too far. There's Nelson Cruz, J.D. Martinez, Jordan Alvarez, John Carlos Stanton, Jorge Soler, Otani, Fran Mill. That's it. I mean, nobody's like pining to get Willie Calhoun. Okay. You have Calhoun, you have Seth Mel Cabrera, Daniel Volgabach, Edwin Encarnacion, Chris Davis. I, I get that, but these are players who are going to fill that spot there. And once you, t- this is a year where if you do fill the designated hitter spot, you do tie your hands a little bit. Uh, you know what? If Nelson Cruz is sitting there in round five, I'm taking him. I, well, I think he's my ranking says I'm taking him with you. So, <laughs> so. Um, all right. So in a general sense, was there anything else about your rankings that you thought was interesting that we should discuss here? Because we, we could do it again in a month because they're not playing baseball in the next month. Anything else? And then we'll move on to some other topics. We, we didn't deeply dive into relief pitchers. I'm kind of did. I didn't look where you put Kyle Lewis. Kyle Lewis was another guy like uh, Luis Robert. I was not sure where I wanted to put him. I ranked them pretty similarly, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I definitely could see that. See, like the problem I'm having with the rankings is I don't know what to believe from a minuscule 60-game season. Ketel Marte steals one base or zero bases. I don't remember. I don't know what to do with him. I, I want to rank him based on mostly his 2019 season. I want to do that with J.D. Martinez and Christian Yelich and other players of that ilk. Mm-hmm. Jose Barrios, who had a good whip two years ago, but not this season. Like – I, I'm struggling with that to some degree, which is why two weeks of Alberto Mondesi out of eight, well, you rent him well and I didn't. I, I don't know. I, I, but also, I'm cognizant on protecting batting average, maybe more than you are. So, like, I have Javier Baez. Man, I don't even know where I – you have him ranked poorly as well. I, I just – I didn't want to believe a lot of what I saw from 2020. Yeah. In a I lot of ways, but also especially for baseball. Yeah. And so, maybe I should move these guys even further. I, I have Joey Gallo 90. If I'm not going to draft him, I should put him 150. I, you know, I wanted Dominic Smith in my top 75. I didn't quite get there, but it's I'm not drafting. age-old question. I'll throw you some individual names if you want just quick thoughts on them. Yeah, I got, I got a few that were tough to rank. Yeah. Steve, Steven Strasburg. He's, I'm pretty sure he's among my top 20 starting pitchers. Did he not do that for you? He, he's he, 30th for me among starting pitchers. I, I, what are you scared of? I Injury. You're scared of injury and yeah. age. Yeah. Why? Not age. No, he's 32. What changed with Steven Strasburg in the last six months? He had a surgery. He should be fine. It Should he? I mean, are we really that sure? 
I don't. I have him ranked number sixty-nine overall, right ahead of Luis Castillo and Max Fried, both of whom I like. Okay, so we're we're thirty, uh, we're thirty-six spots off, I believe. That's so a that's big not, deal. Yeah, well, kind of. I have Blake Snell as my number fourteen starting pitcher and fifty-eight overall, but after what I saw in October, the way he was used, maybe I shouldn't. I should rank him worse. Maybe I should take Max Fried over him because Max Fried's going to throw more innings than Blake oh, Snell. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I have to rank Max Fried well. I don't know. I just, Strasburg, I just, I don't have a good feeling. The gut just tells me, you know, and it's a considerable gut, you know, during all this thing. I've been eating pl- plenty. Um, Wander Franco. Oh, I ranked him well. Like uh, 13th round, maybe? That's, that's almost exactly where I had him. I had my 16th shortstop at 132 overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I he's playing next year in the majors. Question is, is it? It's the Rays, so we'll see. He's third baseman. He he oh. he he better be. Maybe I don't have him ranked where I thought. I, all I can say is he better be. It's I'm ranking him because by all logic he should be the everyday third baseman for the race next year. <laughs> they love Willie Adamas, and I doubt there's going to be trades or big signings this offseason. So I have him 153, but that's not good enough. I need to move him up. Um, how, how about Cabrian Hayes? Yeah, I like him a lot. I think I ranked him well. Let me look. <laughs> I, I, you know, because it's crazy. Like, how do you know? I ranked him 105, which is pretty jet. I ranked Alec Bohm and Cabrian Hayes in this, and, and Kevin Biggio and Gio Urshela all in the same round. Wow, I like Kevin Biggio a lot more than you do then. Batting average, Tristan. Batting average. He's going to bat 220. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I realized that in my initial ranking set, I get the bias of other leagues. And, you know, thinking about the fact that the guy walks in as a good on base percentage probably is influencing me, and it shouldn't. I'm, I mean, I'm, in, you, in a you points know, I, league, I'm taking him in round five. But right. in... also, we should mention our rankings are for different formats. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> Another reason why Mondesi gets a little bit of a bump in my rankings. I had Cabrian Hayes 154 and third, uh, third base 16. And I had Bohm as my – he's the next third baseman on my list. He's the high, one higher than Cabrian Hayes is. <laughs> yeah, same for me, but I have them both ranked 50 spots better. Okay. How about Jared Kalinick? Uh, I know I ranked him. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's one where – by all rights, he should be an everyday player for the Mariners isn't he, next year. Isn't he the outfield version of Mackenzie Gore? I didn't rank him well enough. I have That's a bad like, thing? Well, I have Kalanick number 250-something, and I have Gore 200. He's so the, so I, you're saying he's the outfield version of Mackenzie Gore's 2020? No, 2021. I don't know if Gore makes the team in 2021. He might not. I'm ranking as if I think both te- both players make the team or are that 15th but day. Seattle can't promote all these outfielders at once, Tristan. That's the other problem I have is, like, we shouldn't assume, like, what a team is going to do. Yeah. But Mariners have – all right, Kyle Lewis in the outfield. They also have potentially, you know, numerous pr- – Mitch Hanniger's there still. I mean, he may not be healthy, but he's there. And Julio Rodriguez and Kalanick are both ready, we think. I don't think Rodriguez is quite ready. I think Kalenic is ahead of him. I think Kalenic is ahead of him in and Taylor Trammell, who, by the way, like yeah. what a did you see the piece he wrote in the Players uh, Tribune? You got to check that out. That's a very well spoken young man talking about the lack of black players in Major League Baseball. He was also on uh, uh, Keith Law's podcast, as it was I. And wow, Taylor Trammell. I don't know if he's going to hit in the majors, but I like that guy. Uh, but you're right, Kalenic. Uh, there's no guarantees. No guarantees. Um, so, but I I would rather draft Jared Kalenic in round twenty twenty two than Cole Calhoun, who I kind of know what he is, but he's going to be sitting there in free agency, and five guys like him in April and May. So I'll take the chance. Mm-hmm. So I probably rank Calhoun ahead of him, but I shouldn't have. At Kalenic one sixty four, outfield thirty six. I'm I'm with you. I, I'm taking him ahead of some of those bland, boring outfielders. Um, who was the last? I wanted to give you one more. Uh, scrolls off my screen, of course. Oh, yes, of course. Mike Soroka. I assume no more than 25, 26 starts, but I assume they're good starts. So I probably ranked him pretty close to a top 25 star. Let me make sure. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, I don't even see him. But I, I'm getting blind. Well, I'm hedging on the injuries. I had him 51st among starting pitchers. I don't feel great about it because I like the guy, but the strikeout rate's low and couple that with the injury. I I want to see some proof during the offseason. 
All right, I don't have them ranked, but that's that, that doesn't make any sense. Nope, I don't have him ranked, uh, but I mean to have him ranked. So after the show, I will update my rank. Why is Mike Soroka not ranked? I, I, part of it was the the Excel sheet that I was using, and I had trouble with it, and you don't. So I will make sure that I, <laughs> that's what you think. How about those well, multi eligibles? <laughs> I mean, I need to go through your rankings and see if I forgot people because that's one of the things I was doing in these rankings. Because the last time I had done rankings was in like August. Right. And Soroka left the rankings because he was out for the season. So I'll, I'll rectify that. Right. Right. Now. So he was down at the bottom of the list in order to, yeah. Right. With other players that missed the season, like Verlander or, you know, like, I don't think Verlander's pitching next year, but, you know, I got to, that was one thing I was going through my rankings. Like anybody who was injured and missed time, I needed to get him back into the rankings. And for some reason, I didn't do that with Soroka. All right. Let's move on. We t- spent a lot of time on that. Um, Actually, what else do we really need to do? I mean, we talked about the playoffs. We talked about the free agent market. I mean, we could, um, we'll find a job, run- but it'll be a one-year deal somewhere for $5 million. It won't be his normal contract. We could cl- quickly do the do the ride on the closer carousel. Oh, sing that. Sing that. Okay. It's the closer carousel. All right. So I, I ended up ranking a couple, a couple closers well which to me is in the top 100, but I don't know what's going to happen with them next year. That's the problem. Like, I thought Brad Hamm was going to be in Cleveland. I might I might rank James Karinczak top 10 now because I did my rankings before Brad Hamm was cut. Mm-hmm. So, right, Roberto Asuna, I have rank. You know what? Those are not my rankings. Okay, so let's <laughs> talk about your rankings. <laughs> Those are not – I'll tell you. Oh, so we were in the middle of doing the getting the rankings published and going through that. We had all of these closer moves going on. And by the way, I, I raised the closer carousel because we have updated the closer chart, so it's ready for you out there. Uh, you know, embracing the, the free agents and stuff like that. <laughs> well, let's talk about your closer rankings because mine are actually wrong on the site right now. Okay. So, because I have Liam Hendricks number one, I do not have Josh Hader number one, and I certainly do not have ranked Roberto Osuna. So. My overall opinion was Hendricks over Hader. You have Hader over Hendricks. Any concerns there with Hader? Yeah, by one spot. By literally one spot. And I fully anticipate that Hendricks' landing spot is going to influence that, that he's going to push back ahead of Josh Hader. I assume he's going back to Oakland. Maybe it might be a one-year deal. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, look, if if he does end up in a situation where ERA takes a hit or it's a team that likes to mix and match if the matchups are there and it could shave off three to five saves, then he's probably going to stay right where he is. Or he might even drop back into the eighties in my ranking. All right. But, yeah. Some of your, some of your relief pitcher rankings, I just don't get Nick Anderson cannot be number six anymore. I don't know because when I'm drafting relief pitchers, I need some saves and I don't know if he's going to get more than 10 saves next season. Tampa Bay might just go to a full committee, just like they did this year over six months. And then some of the other middle relievers, you like you have Devin Williams as the number 14 relief pitcher. And be ahead of like Kirby Yates and Will, Will Smith's going to be Atlanta's closer. Melanson's gone. So like, I know that I have Will Smith ahead of Devin Williams because what, why do you assume that Devin Williams even does that again? I don't assume that. So it comes down to saves at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, Devin Williams was so darned effective last year that, you know, there is the possibility that the Brewers again, attempt to trade Josh Hader. And if they do, then he's obviously the closer. So I have to bake that in a little, which I had with Karinchek before the brand ha- Brad Hand news uh, broke. With Nick Anderson, top 100 player in the player Raider, top 100 overall. He missed time and he didn't get saves. And yet he was still in the top 100. Yeah, but see, the problem with that is in my scoring, <laughs> in, a, in a Roto League, I also need saves. So That's I see not what the player raiders the player raiders telling you you don't. Yeah, but the, the player raider doesn't win you leagues, Tristan. The player raider talks about overall value. If I just take all power hitters and ignore stolen bases, and I take all starting pitchers and ignore saves, I'm not going to win my league. So the player raider is just a guide to me in terms of overall value. So you might be right that Nick Anderson is a top ten relief pitcher in overall value, but the way I'm drafting relief pitchers, I need saves too. And I'm not sure he's going to get more than 10 saves. So, and you understand my point there. If I just draft on the player Raider and ignore stolen bases and saves and wins, I could, I could finagle away to win the player Raider and finish in 10th place in my league. 
That's Nick Anderson to me. Right. I, I also think I could do what you're doing and make it work because Nick Anderson will be the guy who goes in on the days where I have starters who aren't working. And then I'm just going to scrounge all of the save getters for the back of my lineup. You could do that too. You could do it's, that too. Th- and this is the, the problem that you and I always have with ra- rating relief pitchers is that we have to provide a way to ERA, whip, and K getters who have no chance at saves because in our game with the daily transactions, there is unquestionably value to guys who do that. Devin Williams was worth a ton in ESPN. He was, but you're also pre- you're presuming he does that again. You're presuming Nick Anderson does this again. And I would say to you, it's more unlikely than likely that Nick Anderson and Devin Williams do that again. Because every year we see for such volatility, it, whether it's health or performance, it, it's not even about role to this point. It's just about why do we assume that there isn't five more Nick Anderson, Devin Williams is in 2021 that we've never heard of before. Right. I'll pick but, them up in April. I'm not going to, I'm not going to draft Nick Anderson before any other save guy. And I would need to, and I can't. Well, while I, I do agree with you. The volatility of relief pitcher is immense and more than people give credit. You are using one player who actually serves as a great example for the other. Nick Anderson actually supports Devin Williams' case because Nick Anderson was the guy who was great in 2019, and then he continued it in 2020. So why can't Devin Williams do what Anderson did, and that be is be a hundred top 100 player in 2021? I, I'm I'm saying I need some saves, and there's volatility there. There's there's just as much there's more volatility. First of all, by your definition mm-hmm. on how you rank players based on three-year averages and the proof that J2 Rule Muto has done this every year and Travis Darno has not, how can Devin Williams be ranked ahead of actual closers for you that have been doing this for a long time? Not not so much Kenley Jansen, okay? But but like, who behind him? Like give me a give me a name behind I him. I don't even see Will Smith in your rankings for one. And Will he's Smith been, wasn't a closer this past year. But he's, so he I don't care about last year. I care about next year. He's Atlanta's closer, I think. Today, I agree with you. Well, then why isn't Will Smith ranked well? Or, I'm not sure that's going to happen. Or Kirby Yates, who I think is closing somewhere in 2021. He's a proven guy. Kirby Yates is coming off an injury that you and I were both concerned was going to lead to a surgery. Right, but not a UCL surgery. Um We'll get we'll get more into cl- into relief pitching discussion. I, I'm a little surprised at your reaction, but I see what you're saying on Nick Anderson. I just want to make sure you see what I'm saying about Nick Anderson. I do. It won't see what surprise you're... me in the least yeah. if he's the most dropped player on April 10th. It also wouldn't surprise me in the least if he ends up a top 10 player rater relief pitcher, uh-huh. but not a top 10 uh, fantasy relief pitcher. To me, fantasy and player rate are two different things. Still. Okay, but you're all, I think you're also looking at it from the weekly and labor-esque standpoint. Yes. Well, I think that's how I'm ranking. That's how I view fantasy. You, okay, but you just said you're ranking for our game, in which case you're ignoring the vast advantage that Daily provides you. And it is vast. Okay. Well, I, I, I think I, I'm going to be able to find a I guy think the key like that. This, I'll tell you, last year I had at least six pitchers Ranked within my uh, relief pitchers, ranked within my top hundred, and this year it's three who made it for sure, and one is right at the borderline. I'm not in on this position at all because I think it's. I don't think I've ever seen it as in flux as it is right if, now. If you take Nick Anderson in round eight, and I take Peter Fairbanks around twenty four, I get the better value. They may have the same amount of saves, they may have the same amount of strikeouts, same ERA. I feel confident that Fairbanks can do exactly what Nick Anderson does for that team. And have the same value, but I'm going to get, get behind that. I can get behind that. Well, that makes my point. For me. Well, uh, Fairbanks hasn't done it for as long as Anderson has. I don't think Anderson's done it for as long as you think he has. <laughs> I, I would agree with for you. A year. <laughs> the shelf life for a relief pitcher. And by is the very way, short. Randy Rosarena is still rookie eligible. He could win the AL Rookie of the Year award after the 2021 season. So. He has he barely played Major League Baseball. He can, but if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it Joe Adele is not eligible? They they did uh, they're applying the 45 day of service time rule to players for September. First of all, Tristan, the fact that the World Series ended a week ago uh-huh. and we still don't know and, and free agency is is here uh-huh. and and we still don't know if there's a DH rule. We still don't know if there's gonna be a three batter minimum rule. Don't get we don't started. know. I can't Seriously. believe 
baseball. Like this is being run like a poor fantasy league right now. Well, we talked like, about that with the with the, the, the making the announcement about the playoffs the day before opening day. I mean, I, are you surprised? Like San Diego might have cut Mitch Moreland anyway, but there's no way they could have brought him back not knowing if the National League will have the designated hitter. Oh and yeah, if you're, yeah. If you're right. running a fantasy league right yeah. now, you don't have to make this decision in November. But by like February, yeah. you need to tell everybody in your league. Well, how many roster spots you have, what yeah. stats you're using, and actual Major League Baseball yeah, is not telling its teams whether there's a DH rule, a three-batter minimum, who's making the playoffs. Be a three-batter minimum. I think that's here, here to stay. But we don't know, and we don't, we don't have any idea how many teams will make the playoffs. It yeah, might I need know. to be like 26 for the Phillies to make it. I like. I can't believe free agency started and they still haven't decided uh, yeah, on the DH. I agree with you. And you know, you and I, who have a very heavy hand in a particular league where this matters, we can't even make judgments on that, which is supposed to reflect Major League Baseball. So yeah, it is a little, it's a little out there. Ask Todd Zola what it's like doing projections right now. He's, I, he's had to put together two sets one with the DH, one without the DH, and he even considered the possibility that what if we're doing same division play again in 2021? Yeah. He has to come up with a new set for that, too, if that happens. By the way, okay, and let's give his site some love, he had Kenta Maeda as like the number 13 starting pitcher on his website. Let's get call out his website. What's, what's his website? And Because uh, he, he tweeted this out. But he had Kenta Maeda as like the number 13 starting pitcher. And I thought, I know I don't. What am I missing? And I'm going to move him up since I saw that uh, because that's pretty interesting. Like when, when, I, when I look at your rankings and Zola's and other people in the industry, I don't copy them. But I think, what am I missing that I need to rethink? And maybe when I look further into certain players, I would think, all right, I got it right. But maybe I would look at it like – like on your Mondesi ranking, say, all right, I, I can't, I can't justify that. He had him thirteen right? last year. He has him thirteen for twenty twenty one. For twenty twenty one. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. He so he did show me uh, a rough Masters draft ball? of the initial projections. It's Masters ball, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I hadn't yeah. thought about Kenta Maeda as a surefire top twenty starting Todd, pitcher. Todd's a, Todd's a genius with these projections. He is. He's smarter than me when it comes to this stuff and on the rankings. So I'm going to now, at some point today or tomorrow. Look at what I think of Kenta Maeda in a different light. There's probably 20 players based on your rankings and Zola's and other people in the industry where I need to look at it and say, what am I missing here? And that I'm, would be one of them. I will. Ch- the only thing I would challenge on is Maeda ranking. And understand, I've got him ranked as my number 22 starting pitcher. I'm very in on Kenta Maeda. Is that I don't think that a 60-game season shows the durability, as I do the air quotes, that people were questioning about him. So I don't think he's really proven that he's a 33-star, 210, 220-inning pitcher just because of what he did this season. That that question still needs to be answered a little bit. All right. Well, anyway, we're saying good things about Todd. He was a oh, without, without a, projections, I like rankings, it. I like the all of it. All right. Um, I think we've done everything, uh, and we're going to be uh, – let's do the final 10 minutes here with Kyle and the Hash Browns and try to keep it under an hour. But if you're doing a, a podcast every once a month, I think we can <laughs> – an hour podcast is good enough. They do that in football every day, don't they? So, you know, why not? Wake up, Kyle. That's it, dude. I'm up. I'm up. I'm Adam. We're good. We're good. We'll start with some trivia here. I'll give you two hash browns to think about it. Then we'll circle back because it's not that hard to trivia. I want to take it easy on you guys in the offseason. You mean you have trivia, trivia that we won't know. There it is. It's nothing without the drop. So Urias gave up 4.3 hits per nine innings this postseason. Who were the top two in hits allowed per nine this regular season? Nothing too crazy. Nothing going to hurt your brain about. That was the other guy I wanted to discuss that I totally forgot about. Julio Urias was so great in October that I want to rank him as a top 25 starting pitcher. I I can't. Why not? Why not? Because there's there's too many other guys ahead of him. It's like ranking – like it's like saying that you want to rank Joe Burrow a top ten quarterback, but there's just ten guys you have to rank ahead of him. Like uh, all I know is for me, it's one one sentence, and it's how many innings? Innings. innings. I'm all in if you give me the innings. And, and by the way, the Dodgers <laughs> ended up playing an extra month in most teams. That could affect Kershaw and Arias's innings next year. That ties in nicely to the first hash brown. 
We've got Tony. He wants to know if you think the limited innings of 2020 will result in more reduced workloads in 2021. No. I think managers will re- will result in lower innings in 2021. <laughs> but Tony Lewis is back, man. Oh, then I can't By the way, that is <laughs> unbelievably the I, I don't want I, I want to choose my words carefully, but I'm glad I'm not a White Sox fan right now. Uh, I, you could have picked 50 guys. You picked uh, and not just for what he's going to do on the field, but what he's done off the field. You can't. I can't believe that they have him as a manager. T- Tim Anderson is not well. I'll move on. <laughs> that is that is not. That's going to be Mike Push McCarthy with the Cowboys. That's going to be Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys. Oh, oh man. Oh, Sorry, man. It can't work. And, he, and and you know what? I don't care. Tweet me, White Sox fans. You agree with me? <laughs> no, they do um, agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I think they agree with you. What? Um, I don't even remember the question. It was what, about the the workloads. I think that obviously what Kevin Cash did was too far in one direction. That was one game, but I do see as a general rule more teams are going to have more long men. Maybe two or three guys who can go multiple innings, American and National League. So at the first whiff of trouble, Blake Snell, Julio Rios are out in the fifth inning, even in June and July. So I think I don't think I don't know if Garrett Cole goes two hundred innings next season or ever again. I, I hate to sound like a downer, but I think teams want to protect their investments. And I think even the Yankees are gonna be with Garrett Cole. You know, it's going to be hard for him to make more than 30, 32 starts, and it's going to be hard for him to go 200 innings. So I, I don't think that's because of the 60-game season. I think that's because of management and ownership trying to protect their investment. And, like, the Yankees lost money this year, and they're going to lose money next year. Do they want Garrett Cole hurt? No. They're going to take him out of games earlier. The bear is coming for these arms <laughs> at 100 pitches. Maybe not even a hundred. I think ninety. Not even hundred. Yeah, ninety is the new hundred. Forty pitchers. Forty pitchers qualified for the ERA title this year. It's down from sixty-one last year, and the past three years rank among the fewest in history. It's only going to get worse. Well, well, if it gets worse, then we have a then we have a problem. Then fantasy needs an entire overhaul of its categorical structure. (laughs) It does need to be overhauled. I mean, doesn't it? Wins is a why ridiculous. Why don't you call my 2010 self? I uh, think he'd win- agree with you. Yeah, wins and saves are not cool anymore. I mean, I'll so. tell you, I, I'm the one who pushed the six by six where quality starts replaces wins, and I don't even feel good about that anymore. So we're talking about how far in a decade we've gone in the wrong direction as far as categories based on the depth that a starting pitcher goes in games. So Again, to the point about not changing the rules, not knowing about the roster structure is a problem in answering this question because we had a 28-man roster. And if you recall, it was supposed to be 28 and then down to 26 the second week of the year, and it didn't happen. They extended 28 all the way through. And despite that, do you know how many pitchers per game on average were used? 4.4 this year, 4.4 last year, and the overall change was two hundredths of a percentage point. That's it. It was a mild, mild increase. But I think a larger roster supports going to your bullpen more aggressively. So I agree with you. I think it's going to be tough for us ever to see more than 50 ERA qualifiers again. And you're going to have to react accordingly in fantasy. Well, look, I would love to draft Nick Anderson using that answer, but I can't do it in round 10. I want to do it in round 20. So I need to find my next um, nominees to be the next Devin Williams and Nick Anderson. And, you know, I when I do more research, I'll come up with these names. I mean, Karinczak, these are obvious yeah. guys. Yeah. I need to figure out who is that next guy and maybe draft him around 23 next year and see or just pick him up on free agency. But, okay. I, th- I think on. the approach to pitching strategy for you and I is going to be paramount for next year to winning. And especially based on the format. And in our format, it's going to be significantly different than, different than it is for labor towers. Weekly versus daily, that's a big difference. It's only increasing. You're right. I'm more used to weekly and you're more used to daily. So that we no, I'm, that more, I'm more used to weekly. I much prefer it. It's less exhausting. <laughs> well, that's true too. Um, okay. What's, what were the other hash browns? 
Last question here comes from PR. He wants to know what to do with Corey Seager next year. Shortstop's loaded, and he feels like he needs stolen bases out of the position, but obviously liked what he saw. Yeah, that was a postseason for the ages. He won the MVP in the NLCS and the World Series, yeah. and that's another guy I forgot to mention along with Arias. Like, Seager played so well in October, and he actually played well during the regular season too, didn't he? I mean, like, he hit for power that we didn't see. The reason why I didn't rank Corey Seager so well entering 2020 and entering 2019 is because he looked like a guy who was just going to hit 20 to 25 home runs a year, and he wasn't stealing bases. Now I wonder if he's going to hit 30 to 35 home runs because he hit 15 home runs in 52 games this year, and then he continued it against better pitching in the playoffs. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, I'm a very big Corey Seager fan. Um, so he actually had the worst chase rate of his career. He had the worst swinging strike rate of his career. But in exchange for those, he was a little more pole conscious. He added 10% to his hard contact rate. Pretty good. A lot of players went up, but that's a pretty significant amount. Uh, average exit velocity was up by far the largest number of his career. And he stayed healthy, which is a, a pretty big plus as well. Wish I could get the uh, the postseason exit velocity numbers. I'm trying to, trying to do that. I, I'm in. I think he's a locked-in top 10 shortstop. Oh, I think he's more than that. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering. Locked-in top five. Was that better? What round are you taking him in? I, I don't have him in my top five shortstops. And I think the reason why is because there's other shortstops. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of yeah the, the, the great names out of him. Uh, I had him 38. Story Turner. Tatis, Story, Turner are first-round picks. Lindor could be. Seager belongs with Bogarts and Bichette in that next level. Yeah. yeah. And and those and Bichette runs. So I need to have Bichette ahead of the other two. But I have Seager right now in round four. I think that feels fair. I agree. All right. I like that. We'll circle back to the trivia question here. Julio Urias, 4.3 hits per nine innings during the postseason. Who are the top two qualified starting pitchers in that stat this regular season? Well, how about NL Cy Young Award winner Trevor Bauer? Trevor Bauer first at 5.05. So nice. not even close to Urias, but yes, you got that one right. And Bauer's going to get paid, and I, I don't know if he will sure. with the Cy Young. Maybe by the time he listen, that's I this think week. Bauer might take a one-year deal for a very high rate. Might. And have, he's going to throw 130 pitches a start. He's going to throw... What thirty more pitches per inning or per start than other top pitchers? Like volume alone is going to make him valuable again. But also, Bauer has a history of ERAs in the mid fours. Yeah. Will you, you take the counting stats? So, like when 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 we project him, he's not going to project with an ERA of two fifty again or one. No. He's going to project with an ERA of three seventy five, right? I mean, that's his, based on his past couple of years. But if he's 50 strikeouts ahead of anybody else and he has a chance to get wins that people can't get because they're not pitching enough innings? We're not going to project him with more strikeouts than Garrett Cole. Are we? No. 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 But, I mean, but he'll, be okay. close. He'll, he'll be competitive. He's, yeah, it's okay. going to be very interesting what, what people do with Trevor Bauer next year. And it depends. Like, if he's a Met, if he's a Red. I, you could see the Mets giving him one year $30 million, couldn't you? The Mets could do anything. Well, they better, or their fan base is going to revolt again. Well, whatever. Um, so Bauer's one of them. I mean, I bet Maeda was close. I mean, and it's aberrant. That's the whole thing. Like Bauer and Maeda can't do that again to that level. Neither one of them. Maeda was close, but not the right answer. <laughs> but I agree. Can't repeat. That's it's tough. I always go to the strikeout guys. I, I don't really think in context of hits allowed for starting pitchers. I go to the Glassnows, the Woodruffs, and... Uh, it's a strikeout guy. It's got to be a strikeout guy who missed a ton of bats. To Nelson Lamette. There it <laughs> exactly. is. That's the there thing. it is. Oh, is that Lamette. really the other? Yeah. To Nelson Lamette. Wow. He was. Four hundredths of a point behind Bauer, and they're both seven-tenths of a point Man, behind Eric, Uri. why didn't we go with real stats in our Sim League? Oh, that kills me. I mean, it's guys like that. It's guys like Woodruff and DeGrom and Bieber that have... And then, you know, like Bieber and my sim team, he got lit up four times in the playoffs in two different leagues. Shane Bieber got lit up every time he pitched in the playoffs for me. All right. Um, so we did the trivia. We did the hash browns. I guess we need to stop the show at some point because we're <laughs> getting on an hour here. Um, your final thoughts as oh. for what we see. And I don't think we're going to see a whole lot in baseball in the next couple yeah. of weeks until Thanksgiving. Do you? No, I mean, getting six qualifying offers. I mean, you know, the. 
unexpected declined options, I think it's going to be a pretty quiet November. You know, all I can say as advice for November is go vote. <laughs> we will uh, we will rejoin with another podcast in a couple of weeks, maybe right after Thanksgiving. We don't know. We will see what's happening in baseball and in the world. Uh, please be safe, be healthy, take everything seriously. And uh, I enjoyed the baseball season, but I would love to have seven, eight months of it next season. And hopefully we do. Um, anyway, that is all for today's show. For Tristan H. Cockroft, for Kyle Sapi, I am Eric Carabell. Please have an awesome November.